I want to read something for you to start our, our next part of this study. So it's been a few weeks. Thank you for your flexibility again as we've um, you know, had a lot of reasons we've needed to, to wait. But we're picking it up on the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer again from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. Uh, Jesus teaches us to pray with the last request of the Lord's Prayer being, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And it's all part of one petition, but there are two parts to it. And as you know, uh, last time we had our study, we closed a very lengthy section on the first part of the prayer uh, of that petition, and lead us not into temptation. And uh, one thing I want to mention, he said at the end of of that study was, uh, make sure that you... uh, Think not that you shall never be troubled with the tempter more if you've been making progress. Don't think you can ever let up your guard. He said, after we've got the better of the tempter, we must do as the mariners in a calm, mend our tackling, not knowing how soon another storm may come. And then he said, stand upon your watchtower, lie in your armor, always expect to fight. And the tempter, remember, lead me not into temptation, is that is the invitation to sin. It's not sinning, it's the invitation, the, the trying to incline us to decide to sin in thought, word, or deed. And so now we're picking up on the next part, and lead us not, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Now we're going to see there's two aspects that we'll look at. I've already touched on it in, in hinting and getting ready. Uh, later we're going to study about the evil one, as it's often understood. He's called that elsewhere, Satan. And so deliver us from the evil one, Satan who's trying to tempt us and make us sin. And if we do get into the sin to help us just go down with it, right? So, uh, but before that, the study for a while now on the second part of the petition, deliver us from evil, is going to focus on sin. The evil of sin, deliver us from sinning. Uh, And then generally that is evil. And then deliver us from the evil one who's trying to get us to sin and sin more. Uh, So we're going to get to that in a moment. What I'd like to do is share a quote with you from uh, this book, Our Ancient Foe, Satan's History, Activity, and Ultimate Demise. I shared with it I shared from it with you in the morning sermon this Lord's Day uh, about uh, taking every thought captive. And uh, I quoted some, one of the second chapter, I think. It's a, it's a good book so far by the Alliance. It's, it's actually a bunch of lectures at an event by the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. And it's put together with them and PNR Publishing. If you're ever interested, I, I noticed it on my shelf before I went on my trip to New York. And I thought, I should try to read some of that and, and draw on that. Uh, just as we're putting up Pastor Bell's sermons on Satan, it just worked out amazing timing. I found those in the big box of tapes. I said, well, that's, that's manageable, but also really good timing to put that up. And um, I want to read from the editor's preface to this book, and I intend to keep getting through it and share, share some nuggets mostly on Wednesday nights with you. Um, if there's anything that is significant enough, like I did this Lord's Day, I might just make a sermon out of it. But uh, Here's something I want to read as we get ready to make the transition to the second part of the petition. Uh, the editor's preface, he's quoting William, uh, Wilhelmus Abrakel, a Dutch theologian from the late 17th and early 18th centuries, and he said this, Wilhelmus Abrakel, most of the time, and this is from the book The Christian's Reasonable Service, we're pretty familiar with that title, most of the time the devil conceals himself and seeks to convince man that he has no hand in what transpired. 
but rather that it is the person himself and that such things proceed from his own heart. Thereby he seeks either to prevent that which is good and to corrupt it, to bring about the commission of sin, or to bring the soul into a state of bewilderment. And as we're transitioning, I want to point out, don't forget, it is the temptation comes from within. Remember, the two sources of tempting is from within, because we're corrupt inside, but particularly Satan on the outside, which is why we learned about him so much. And um, what is he looking to make us do, though? Kind of convince us we haven't had any hand in it. Don't take our own responsibility not to sin, I think, right? But as my professor said, I remember Dr. Gamble, Richard Gamble said, sin is something that you you do, you think or do. You know, it's, it's what we do. It's not what Satan does. It's what we do. Now, we do need to recognize, even in this quote, how much Satan influences us and tries to let us think it just comes from us. However, he is seeking what? He is seeking to bring about the commission of sin. He's trying to get us to sin. And so we're transitioning into the second part of the petition. Lead us uh, excuse me, the first part leads not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Now that will relate to the evil one, Satan, later on. But first we just focus on help me not sin. Help me not even be tempted to sin, the first part. Protect me from being tempted. But if I am tempted, help me not to give in and sin. That's what we're transitioning in now with the second part of the petition. And so I open with you uh, back to the book, The Lord's Prayer with Thomas Watson on the sixth petition. And again, we start the large second section, deliver us from evil. Yes, Isaac. Try to keep them quick because especially I don't have a microphone on you. I have to fix it. Go ahead. bewilderment. When it says Satan conceals himself, he tries to hide his influence and think it's all us and that he's not there having an influence. Uh, the second part, bewilderment, is he makes us overwhelmed. Bewilderment is just, we're so overwhelmed by it all. Yeah. Okay. Good questions. So, deliver us from evil. Lead, me not into te- lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, we pray we wouldn't have to face temptation, but if we do, that we don't give in and sin. Sin is something we do, okay? So he says, first of all, there is more in this petition than is expressed. The thing expressed is that we may be kept from evil. The thing further intended is that we may make progress in piety. That's important. You know, we we tend to always minimize, help me... I mean, not to sin, but it's more than not sinning. It's that we would make progress in piety, that we wouldn't just be kind of, I hope I don't screw up, but Lord, help me to grow in grace and holiness, right? Um, he writes, he, he quotes Titus 2.12, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that's the, um, the express part, let us deliver us from evil. But then Titus 2.12 goes on to say, um, Excuse me, I lost my place. Uh, That we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. That's the progress in piety. And it's related to what sanctification is. Remember, mortification of sin, killing of the old self, and vivification of life. The new self, putting on more of the new self, putting on more of Christ, as Paul talks about it. 
So he says, in general, when we pray, deliver us from evil, we pray to be delivered from the evil of sin. That's what we're going to spend a long time studying for a while. Not all tonight. (laughs) And then we'll get to the second concept. Deliver us not only from the evil of sin or sinning, but also deliver us from the evil one in the sinning. Okay, so for a while now, we're just going to study sin. We've been studying Satan. We'll get back to him. But the temptation is that we would sin. That's the whole goal, that we would sin. So we're praying, don't let me sin, Lord. Uh, But it's more than just you know, negative, help me not to sin. Uh, just like when we study the Ten Commandments, what is implied, right? Duties required and uh, things forbidden. And if the commandment is negative, the positive is implied. If the command is positive, the negative is also implied. Same thing with the rewards or the warnings. The positive or negative is implied. Um, so we want to recognize we're praying not just that we don't sin, but Lord, help me grow in holiness. Help me grow in choosing sanctified things, right? And, you know, there really is only one of two trajectories. Backsliding or making progress, right? There isn't really a neutral, I'm going to hang here and play it safe. Because, of course, if nothing else, sins of omission, (laughs) right? Uh, But we want to recognize we're seeking to make progress in piety as well. So we study, deliver us from evil. Pray we'd be delivered from the evil of sinning. Sin. He says, pray that God would deliver us more and more from the power and practice, from the scandalous acts of sin, which cast a reflection upon the gospel. And he brings us to Romans 7.13 that speaks of ex, uh, things that are exceeding sinful. They are an accursed thing. Um, uh, excuse me, the, the, the very spirits of mischief are exceeding sinful. Uh, Romans 7.13 and then uh, Joshua 7.13, it is an accursed thing. That's how we need to understand sin. It's an accursed thing. It's a horrible thing. The world is going to pretend that sinning is good. Sinning is mild, right? A necessary evil, they might say. And uh, really a helpful and good thing in a way, right? And uh, we need to recognize and think about sin what it is. Now, of course, what tempts us is sin. Uh, originally, the initial part, there's pleasure in it. That's that's really a lot of why we do it, or we expect pleasure. But so much of it isn't. And the thing itself is evil, therefore the effect of it is going to be evil upon us. Which is why the prayer of Joab, remember, uh, uh, excuse me, prayer of Jabez, (laughs) that we often refer to, the same last petition is deliver me from evil, but it even says, it adds a little bit, that I wouldn't grieve myself, wouldn't grieve my heart, right? Because it'll come back on us. It is horrible. It's a grievous thing. He says, next, look upon sin in its origin. Where does sin come from? Okay, but how did it get there? Think of the first fall, right? The original sin, right? The doctrine of original sin, huh? Yeah, the forbidden fruit, yeah. Uh, Here's in particular what they're thinking. It is of the devil, Satan's the one trying to get us to sin, tempting us to sin. Whatever we might do that is sin, we have to recognize that we are choosing to side with the devil. I I remember I mentioned the the movie Nefarious in the Lord's Day sermon, and I I do highly recommend it. Um, Again, Abe said, wow, this 
this is like everything we're learning Wednesday nights. And um, the, the demon possessing this man on death row, talking with the psychologist, he's, he's bringing to the psychologist, psychiatrist's uh, attention, uh, your girlfriend's about to kill her baby today, your son in her womb. And you're pretending that this is so you can stay together, but you're actually planning on leaving her. Like, he's just, he knows everything, you know. And the guy starts to get convicted about it. He tells him, you're going to commit three murders today, and that, that's one of them. He also contributed to the euthanasia of his mother, you know. And he would eventually contribute to this man being killed, the body host. Isaac, I won't entertain any more questions right now, okay. Um, and so that's the scene, and when he's confronting him, and then it's happening, the guy tried to get out and call couldn't get um, get in time. He felt convicted. But when it's apparently happening, he says, James, do you feel it? Do you feel it? And he's like, he's kind of experiencing the, he says, all the demons are rejoicing. And he's talking about the parts of the baby being ripped, you know, and everything torn out of the mother, killing the baby. And the demons rejoicing in it. The demons rejoicing in it. We need to recognize, and he talks about his master, Satan, and behind it all, it's all from Satan. Whatever we do for sin is from Satan. And so we are partnering with Satan when we sin. And I don't think we really look at it that way. If we did, I think we'd be like, ooh, don't want to touch it, right? But see, of course, remember, he masquerades like an angel, right? He makes it look good. He's so seductive. Remember all we learned about all his subtleties, I think 21 subtleties. He knows how to make it look like he's your good friend, especially as he speaks sometimes through your best friend, like Peter to Jesus, right? He didn't give in. Um, we, we need to recognize that it is of the devil. John 8, verse 44. Remember, he's the father of lies. He's the one looking to make this all happen. He is the one who led Adam and Eve into sin. But even Satan himself, the fallen angel, brought others with him, you know? Uh, not human, and yet, clearly, of course, sin going against God. He says, look upon sin in its nature. And it's evil. First of all, look about, look from its source. It comes from Satan. Look upon sin in its nature. And it is evil. It's compared to the vomit of dogs. 2 Peter 2.22. Sin is compared to the vomit of dogs. It's compared to a menstruous cloth. A cloth, excuse me. Isaiah 30 verse 22. It is compared to the plague Would you ever come near the plague? You know? 1 Kings 8.38. It's compared to gangrene. 2 Timothy 2.17. That's the kind of green stuff that will rot your foot off your leg. Sin is evil in its nature because it is transgression against God. But before we move on to that, its nature, first, it's just, it's disgustingly evil. It will tear you apart. It will rot you out from the bones. David talks about in Psalm 32, related to Psalm 51, in my sins, my bones were rotting within me until I repented. You know, there was no life in me. I was, it was just drying out. Sin, that's what it is. But it is also evil in its nature because it is a transgression against God who is good. God is good, perfectly good, great, wonderful, holy. And sin is against God. Sin is, 1 John 3, 4, the transgression of the law. 
And First John also says it's unrighteousness, right? It is unrighteous. But it's the transgression, it's the violation, it's the breaking of God's law, which is good and holy. Westminster Shorter Catechism, question and answer 14, will ask us, what is sin? Sin is the want of conformity to or transgression of the law of God. Want of conformity being not just that we don't break it, commission, but also we don't do it, omission. We don't get around to it. We avoid things that we know we're responsible for, right? And that's what sin is, but that's why it's evil, because it is against God's law. And God's law is good and holy, reflecting him who is good and holy. He says, sin is high treason against heaven. Now, again, not only is it partnering with the very arch enemy of Jesus, therefore it is high treason against Jesus. Uh, Nehemiah 9 verse 26, they cast thy law behind their backs. We need to recognize that sin, again, is the transgression of God's law. We put it behind our backs. But we don't just put it behind our backs. We're really shaking our fists at God in rebellion. The Hebrew word for sin, he says, signifies rebellion. That's what sin is. It's saying, don't tell me what to do. Which is why in the movie The Nefarious, when he's pushing the psychiatrist about what he's choosing, to, he led his girlfriend in doing the abortion, he first starts making excuses. It's her body, yada, yada. But then he says, as he pushes him, it's my life, I can do what I want. And then remember the demon responds, yes, James, I couldn't have said it better myself. Sin is rebellion against God. I can do what I want. That's the opposite of I will do what God wants. To do thy will is my delight. Right, Psalm 40. Jesus came to do his Father's will. We should be seeking to do God's will. So we need to recognize when we sin, including when we think about taking every thought captive and how we start reasoning to ourselves and lying to ourselves, we are rebelling against God and taking the hand of Satan. We have got to recognize that. We ought not to lift up a thought against God, much less to lift up a hand against him, he writes. Sin is an act of high ingratitude to God. I mean, how could it not be so unthankful, right? God has given us everything, and especially in Christ. And, you know, we so quick want to pray for healing, right? For our bodies healing. Pray for God to provide for this and that. And then we're so quick to use it against him. How thankful is that? Or not really for him. He writes this. Did God give thee life? To sin? Did he give thee wages to serve the devil? What did he do with your money? Sin is also a foolish thing. It's foolish. It's stupid. It's illogical, right? Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. He quotes Luke 12 verse 20. And that's very much about storing up of all these things, right? You, how foolish. You're making your life about this world. You can't take it with you. And as it often is said, you, you never see a hearse followed by a U-Haul, right? And it's a pretty sobering thing when you go to an estate sale, isn't it? 
I mean, we've been doing some cleaning out and organizing because we're moving rooms and this and that. It's funny what you hold on to, and then you realize, I guess it's time to throw that out, you know. Like, but estate sales, all these things that probably did have a lot of volume and they valued uh, a lot of value, I should say, and they valued. I mean, they're trying to get something for it often at these estate sales, right? You know, and it's not in style anymore, so nobody wants it. But at the time, it was in style; everybody wanted it, you know. Uh, such as I think Mr. Renner was telling me about uh, shag rug used to be really cool, right? <laughs> now we want to get it out. <laughs> I think you brought that up when we were talking about removing the popcorn from the ceilings, but that was cool, you know. And that's kind of a silly illustration, but you fool, why are you building these things that you're storing all this stuff for? You can't take it with you. Now, tonight, your soul's required of you. And that's a lot of what is involved in sin. It's, you know, it's not that we can't have things. It's not that we can't save but so often we're, we're, we're just piling up sins and it's just foolish. We just are foolish. Christ is wisdom. He has all wisdom. And we spend not enough time with him and then too much time with the devil. It's so foolish. He wrote, no creature, Thomas Watson, no creature did ever willingly kill itself but man. I mean, we just start, it's so stupid. We just kill ourselves with sin. You know, I mean, animals, they'll gnaw off their hand to get out of a trap to survive, right? And we'll, we'll stick our hand in there and then get sucked in. You know, I can't help but think, you know, it kind of makes me think of, and this isn't really related, but I remember my professor in college, uh, and I don't know why, it wasn't a, con- a class that related to this. I can't remember why he said this, but he said, drinking milk is slowly drinking a heart attack. And he said, uh, no other animal drinks milk after it's weaned from its mother. Only humans do that. I thought that was kind of an interesting comment. And it's just, you know, it's like, it's like animals are often smarter than us, you know. But no animal tries to kill itself, but we do all the time, sinning, right? We just keep more and more committing suicide by sin. It destroys us. And without Christ, I mean, it will kill us eternally. Sin is a polluting thing. We've talked about that a bit already. Remember what it said sin is like in its nature as evil. It's like menstrual cloths. It's like the vomit of dogs. It's compared to the plague and gangrene. You know, all, all the things that we like to keep in our house, right? Especially when we're having visitors. You know? I mean, it's crazy, right? That's what sin is talked about like in scripture. But we make a home for it in our homes and in our hearts. Isn't it insane, right? It is vile. It is a polluting thing. And I remind you of a sermon a while back that you can hear on our sermon audio page. Uh, Sin is sickening. It's filthy. It's revolting. And that was based on 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 and James 1 verse 21 that says sin is filthy. We don't want to be around filthy things, right? But we've got to recognize that's what it is. It is filthy. It's disgusting. And therefore, so are we as we engage in it. Cover ourselves in it. It is called filthiness of flesh and spirit. He's also quoting 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. The filth of sin is inward. That's the thing to recognize. It's filthy inward. Because of the fall, we're all born uh, guilty, but also corrupt, you know, from within. Um, 
a spot, he says, in the face may easily be wiped off. And I think when he says that, he kind of means on, right? Uh, But to have the liver and lungs tainted is far worse, right? If we learn there's something inside our bodies, especially think of the big C word, that's, that's a big deal when you hear about a spot inside the body. A little spot on the face, you can wipe it off, right? He says, sin has got into the conscience. Sin is deep. Got to recognize how serious our situation is and ask God to do what Psalm 51 says, which is a big psalm of repentance. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. It's so filthy. We've got to recognize what it is. When we find ourselves reasoning things that we know deep down are wrong or wanting to put out, you know, grieve and quench the Holy Spirit and not look at the word of God, we have to recognize we are starting to let filth, putrescence pour in through a hose into our heart. We've got to recognize that. He says, sin is a debasing thing. It degrades us of our honor. It's degrading. It just brings us more and more to lower levels of corruption. We're almost like animals. And I can't help but think about a sermon years ago on Leviticus 18, 21 to 23. The title was, Sexual Sins Always Sink Lower. Certain sexual sins, especially, as reason in Corinthians, it says, of all sins, sex is on your own body. But it gets to the point where you keep getting involved in this kind of filth. He starts to have laws against bestiality and child sacrifice. Because that's where it goes. Sin doesn't just leave you there. It degrades you. It debases you. It makes you more and more like animals. To this fa- and some of those sins will even ha- lead you to having sex with animals. There's a reason, there's a law about that in the scriptures. And you might remember when I preached this, Mr. Tim Alley was here and he had been in the military overseas. And he said in the military, they tell you if there's a law about something, there's a reason for it. And he said, sometimes coming around a corner in certain parts of the world, he came across bestiality in the open. People act like this stuff is normal. You don't even have to hide it. It degrades. It debases. Sin is an enslaving thing. This is really important to recognize. Second Timothy, remember, we looked at this Lord's Day morning. That we pray that God would grant repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. That God would rescue them from the devil who holds them captive at his word. Second Timothy 2, 24-26, I believe. It is an enslaving sin thing. Remember, when, what is the preface to the Ten Commandments? In Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5. And then what is the reason given to keep the Sabbath day in Deuteronomy 5? I am the Lord thy God that brought thee out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. It's an enslaving thing. Sin makes men the devil's servants. Not only does it make you like you're in evil company and you're holding the hand of Satan. That's what sin really is. It comes from him. But it makes you his servant. And the great Bob Dylan song, you got to serve somebody. You're either serving God or you're serving Satan. He'll let you think you're serving you. Those are your only options. Always, with every choice. And when you're sinning, you're choosing to serve the devil. And he is not a good master. And he will bind you more and more. 
So I think of another sermon we had here on Romans six nineteen a while ago. Sinning sucks you into sinning. Excuse me. Sinning sucks you into serving sin. Iniquity unto iniquity. Remember. Now the other side of it was holiness unto righteousness. The more you serve the Lord, the more He grows you in grace. You grow in holiness. But the more you serve Satan, the more He takes you captive, and the more it sucks you into be its servant more and more. Especially just the habit of it habit of it. Sin is an unsavory thing. They are altogether become filthy. That's Psalm, uh, let's see if I get this right, Psalm 14 verse 3. Uh, in the Hebrew, they are, bec- they are all becoming stinking. Now Paul quotes this in Romans, right? No man is good, no not one. They are all, uh, have, they have all sinned, they have all uh, sin. They're all filthy, and again, the Hebrew word is they're stinking. So again, sin is stinking. Let me give you. <laughs> let me just bring this to home here. You know, we were cleaning. My family was cleaning the yard and the grounds of the church here this week, and doing the doing the cleaning on the inside. And I always have outdoor duty, and I enjoy it very much. But one thing that had me really perturbed. I think the biggest dog in the world was brought to our yard about fifty times. I couldn't believe it. And I was thinking I knew which dog it was, but now I'm not so sure. I think it was a different one. I've never seen feces this large. And I would grab most of it, not with my hands, and get it in the bag. And, and I, there was part. I, it was so fresh I couldn't touch it, you know, until later. And then I'm walking around with this garbage bag as I'm picking up papers and this and that. And I was like, oh, oh, the stink coming out of that bag, you know. That's what sin is. It's filthy, it's unsavory, it's offensive to God, and it really should be offensive to us. It stinks. It's so disgusting. It's like you're carrying a bag of fresh dog poop around with you. I mean, we ought to maybe make that an assignment for everyone. Do that for half an hour and say, this is sin, this is sin, this is sin. Don't worry, I'm not going to actually assign that to you. But, <laughs> but, but I think we need to think of that. It's very offensive to God. Isaiah one thirteen. Incense is an abomination to me. You know, you're offering me up this worship, but you're, you know, your, your hearts are far from me. Your lips are saying one thing, your hearts are far from me. Although Isaiah comments in chapter 6, I'm a man of unclean lips among an unclean people. And he says, so your, your incense, your offering, your prayers are actually an abomination. That word abomination, God uses when it's a really, really big thing to him. It's an abomination. The proud he knoweth afar off. Psalm 138, verse 6. The proud he knoweth afar off. Basically, pride is a horrible sin, right? But of course, we like to reason that one, don't we? Pride comes before the fall. It's probably why Satan wants us to do it so much and give into it so much. That's the thinking. Pride is a stinking thing. You remember, remember what Sinclair Ferguson talked about in the, in, the, in the lectures we watched from him at Westminster Seminary recently? He talked about pride. He said, you know, my pastor friend was, or a mentor was telling me about this other guy. And he said, I just, how did this happen? He says, you know, it's just stinking pride. And he says, the danger is we get used to our stink and he probably didn't even smell his own pride. And that's how we are with the sins. The, the scary thing is we get used to our own stink, right? 
You walk into a room of someone else that's been in there a long time, how can they possibly handle it? You get used to it. It's like the frog in the pet kettle pot, right? And, but, the, but, but the truth is, it's filthy. And so God, it says, he, gets, he doesn't know. He's a far from pride. The proud he knoweth afar off. It's like, that stinks like dog poop and vomit in a bag, and I don't want to be near it. I want to get away from it. Ugh. That is sin. That's how we've got to recognize it. And pray the Lord helps us to see it and smell it. Not get familiar with it so much, we don't even know what it is. He also says, sin is a painful thing. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. Jeremiah 9 verse 5. And um, he's going to get to another scripture in a moment. It's a painful thing. Here's the thing. Satan tempts us. He lies to us. We think it's going to make us happy. It never makes us happy. And especially if we are, have the Holy Spirit in us of Christ, we will particularly be sensitive and suffer in our conscience. It'll never be a happy thing. It'll never be something you say, I'm glad I did it. He says... Um, Oh, let me read one other thing I, I, I overlooked. He will not come near the dunghill sinner that has such offensive vapors coming from him. That's a powerful quote. But let me come back to sin is a painful thing. Again, the weary, they weary themselves to commit iniquity. Jeremiah 9.5. Let me ask you, the world out there, do they look happy? Uh, there's some people in my, my life especially, I just I marvel over how much they insist on, you know, it's my life, I can live in my way. And they're the most miserable people I know by far. And they're not happy at all. Christostom says, he's quoting Christostom, an early church father. Christostom says, virtue is easier than vice. Virtue is good. Vice is sin. And you can think of like a vice grip. <laughs> You know, although that's a play on words. But think about this. At first you might think, well, no, sin is easier than vice. Vice is easier than virtue, right? I think in terms of actually doing the right thing, you might argue it's harder to do virtue. It takes more hard work, right? Vice comes naturally. But what he's talking about in context is sin is a painful thing. Virtue is easier than vice. Virtue is easier on your conscience. Virtue is easier on your body. Virtue is easier on your relationships and your life than uh, vice. Vice is like a vice grip. It'll keep tweaking and, you know, crimping and tightening on you and give you headaches, you know, and make you sick and ruin your relationships. It's just better on your life to be giving yourselves to virtue and asking God to help you not be led into sin, not to uh, give in to evil, but to be delivered from it. You could say, thinking of the prayer of Jabez again, Lord, lead me not into temptation that I don't grieve my own self. Right? That's what he says. Please, because it'll just hurt myself. In the end, I'm hurting myself. It is easier, he says, to be sober than intemperate. It is easier to serve God than to follow sin. A wicked man swears at the devil's plow and is at great pains to damn himself. Remember, it's slavery. You know? Even when they say they want us to do this, you can see that I, a lot of people, I just, they don't have control when it gets worse and worse and worse. They're in slavery and misery to it. He says... Sin is a disturbing thing. Isaiah uh, 
57, verse 21, there is no peace to the wicked. There's no peace to the wicked. Sometimes you hear there's no rest for the wicked. There's no peace. Same idea, right? There's no peace to the wicked. When a man sins, he writes, presumptuously, have that in view with the prayer of Psalm 19. We're going to close singing tonight. Meaning particularly like, I know what I'm doing. I want to do it. I'll presume upon grace. Just pray the Lord forgives me. He's going to forgive me so I can do it. When a man sins presumptuously, he stuffs his pillow with thorns. Think about that. Well, Jesus had to take thorns on his head, a crowd of thorns on his head. I have a couple different plants in our yard I've selected, uh, mainly because of I, I like the idea of a witness in my yard. And I was watering with Gabriel, and I was pointing out, you know, these are called lions of Judah. They look like lion paws, and they're called lions of Judah. Jesus is the lion of Judah. We see those over there. Those are called um, the crown of thorns. And they're full of thorns. Do you see those thorns? Jesus had something like that wrapped around his head, and Gabriel was just, whoa, it's hard for him to imagine. It is hard to imagine. Now, he had that to pay for our sins, but when we, when we give ourselves to sins presumptuously, it's like we're stuffing our pillow with thorns, and we lay our head down on thorns. We're not going to have peace. That's why some people can't sleep. It is so great an evil that the ungodly will rather do anything than sin. That's where we close our study tonight. We're looking at what sin is. It is so great an evil that the godly will rather do anything than sin. All of those reasons for our own good and its effect on ourselves, but I would like to say in particular, we don't want to be walking with Satan and we don't want to be walking against Christ and rebelling against God and transgressing his law. Remember, the Bible teaches the wages of sin is death. And while the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, there are temporal consequences. The Ten Commandments have that built in. The keeping of God's commands is love. But the violation of them is hatred, and it brings down problems on even our children and our generations after us. And the other side of it is mercy and love God's commandments much more generations the Lord promises to bring good so we just want to recognize that boy oh boy when we are looking at sin and you know sometimes we lie he lies and we're not as aware as we should be but may the Lord give us sensitivity to smell it and to remember what God says it is and that we don't want that on us and we don't want it to be found on us right But more importantly, we want close fellowship with the Lord. We want to be growing in grace and in his presence with us and in his word with us. uh, Before we uh, close in prayer, I want to ask you to open back to Psalm 19 with me. Let's sing Psalm 19. Page 35. Uh, we're going to sing the last part, which we're particularly familiar with. I know they're among uh, Elder Renner's favorite scripture. I know he prayed this uh, before he uh, went into surgery last time. Um, I, I often quote these words in prayers, especially after the Lord's Supper. But what I want to highlight is verse 7 that we sang earlier this evening first. We won't look through all the verses, but I'd like to sing verse 7 and then go back to verse 13. Look, at, it says, God's law is perfect and converts the soul in sin that lies. 
And I want to just remind us and recognize. And then it goes on to say how glorious God's law and word is. It converts, right? Better than gold and honey. It gives life. You know, you want to remember that, that the, the antidote to sin and the medicine uh, and the preventative is God's word, always God's word. And that we'd know it well, that we'd know it right. We saw that the devil quotes the Bible out of context, misapplies it. We saw that this Lord's Day gets us to think wrongly, even with the word, right? So we've prayed. But recognize this is the answer to what our prayer is in the last part. And so far what I've read from this book, Our Ancient Foe, it's really emphasizing that our life has to be what Jesus says, quoting Deuteronomy when Satan tries to tempt him to sin. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's how the Lord will keep us going the right way. So have that in view. But we'll sing verse 7, and then we'll go down to verses 12 through 14. And notice the psalm is asking particularly, prevent me from presumptuous sin, where I'm just doing it, and I know I shouldn't be, and I'm jumping into it, and I'm planning on it, and I'm just expecting I don't have to worry about it. Ah, oh, grace, you know, let sin abound, that grace abounds, God forbid, you know. This is praying, Lord, not just lead me not in, lead me, uh, deliver me from evil. But as he pointed out, it's praying, help me make progress in piety. Okay? So verse 7 and then 12 to 14. Da, 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 da. God's law is perfect and converts the soul in sin that lies. God's testimony is most sure and makes the simple wise. Verse 12. Who can his errors understand? Oh, cleanse thou me within From secret faults thy servant keep From all presumptuous sin And do not suffer them to have dominion over me. Then righteous and innocent, I from much sin shall be. The words which from my mouth proceed, the thoughts sent from my heart, accept, O Lord, for Thou my strength and my Redeemer art. Let us pray. Oh Lord, as we think first of the prayer of Jabez as our example we've looked at in Chronicles, 
with the same petition at the end, the last, the climax. Lord, deliver us from evil that we would not grieve our own hearts, O Lord. But we think of the sermon on that prayer and we recognize that ultimately it's praying with an enlarging of borders and influence. O Lord, we're praying that you would cause us to be honorable people, that we would progress in purity and holiness. And Lord, that we would put off the old man and put on more of the new. We pray, Lord, that you would work in more love in us for you and one another. And we close praying as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.